Well, good morning, everyone. Today is the third day of Parshas Korach. Today's a special day in the Chabad calendar. Today, the 28th of Sivan, the day that the Rebbe and his Rebetzin arrived in America in 1941 and is seen in Chabad as a major day of the expansion of Chabad in the United States and throughout the world, bringing the message of Judaism and Hasidus to the world. So our study today has an extra special oomph. Verse 20, God spoke to Moshe and Aaron saying, Hibadlu, this comes from the word you might re recall from Saturday night, Havdalah, which means to separate between the Shabbat and the weekday. Hibadlu, God tells Moshe and Aaron, separate yourself mitoch haidazot, from this congregation, from this assembly. Vachale otam kiraga, and I will consume them kiraga in an instant. The word rega means a second. They fell on their faces and they said, Kale, God, the God of the spirits. Rashi will tell us what does it mean, the spirits? Ruach. It refers to the God of who knows all, all, all thoughts. All thoughts of people, lachol basar of all flesh, and as Rashi explains it, since you know what is in everyone's mind, therefore, haish echad yechda, can it be that one person sinned? And of course, they're referring to Korach, who leads the rebellion. So this is a rhetorical question, and because one man sinned, you're going to be angry with the entire congregation or the entire assembly? As Rashi explains, God knows the thoughts of man. Your, your attributes, Moses says to God, you're not like a mortal king, because a mortal king where, the, where there's been an offense, against him from part of the country, he doesn't know who is the sinner. As the Rebbe explains it, he doesn't know who is the instigator, who is the one that's really responsible for this spoiling of the people. Therefore, when he gets angry, he punishes everybody because he doesn't know who is the one who's really responsible for it. But you, God, you know everything. You know who are the ones who are truly guilty. You know the thoughts of man, and you know who is the one who is the sinner and that, of course, is Korach. So what does God respond? Moshe, you spoke well. I do know, and I will let know who is the sinner and who did not sin. Now, again, we've had this several times. It's always interesting to see where God first states what his supposed attention is, and then kind of invites Moshe to argue back, and, and God uh, follows what Moshe says. And it's also striking how Moshe Rabbeinu, who's had all this trouble with the Jewish people and they're rebelling against him, 
he always stands up for the people, and in this case says, "Go, God, the punishment should only go for the person who is the one who is instigating, not the people who went along with him. So what happens next? God says to Moshe saying, speak to the assembly saying, the congregation saying, hey, withdraw from around the dwelling. The Mishkan is the dwelling of Korach. Datan and Aviram. The Rebbe points out that Moshe and Rashi had been talking, well, actually in the verse, Moshe had been talking about one, Ha'ish Echad, one man referring to Korach, that only he should be punished. But in God's response, and not the whole not the whole congregation, in God's response, he says, okay, I concede that it won't be the whole congregation. However, it's not going to be just Korach. It's going to be Korach, Datan, and Abiram. These are the three individuals who are really responsible over here. Verse 25, Vayaka Moshe, Moshe gets up. And he goes to Dasan and Aviram. Why does he go to Dasan Vaviram? Rashi will tell us. The elders of Israel followed after him. So this is a nice entourage all going to Dasan and Aviram, the troublemakers from the beginning, even before the Exodus, always making trouble for Moses. He goes to them, says Rashi. Kasovor Moshe thought upon him that they would show deference, respect to Moshe. In other words, he was hoping that he could turn Dasan and Aviram around. They'd given up on Korach, but he thought he could still turn Dasan and Aviram around, which the Rebbe learns an incredible lesson from here, how patient a Jewish leader has to be and how patient we all have to be that even somebody like Dasan and Aviram, who seem to be so far beyond the pale and causing so much grief, Moshe doesn't give up on them until the very end. Verse 26, He speaks to the congregation saying, Please get away. From the tents of these people, the wicked ones, don't touch anything that belongs to them. Lest you perish. From the word sof, which means come to an end. Unless you perish because of all of their sins. In other words, because they're being punished, you don't get away from them. You could be included in that. Verse 27, So the people did withdraw from the dwelling of Koirach and from the dwelling of Dasa Naviram, from the environs of those dwellings. Vidasan Vaviram, Dasan Aviram themselves, Yotsu Nitzavim. They came out, Nitzavim, standing upright. Pesach Oholehem at the entrance of their tents. Unishayim Uvenayim Vitapam. And their wives and their children and their infants with them. Says Rashi, what does it mean? They went, came out, Nitzavim, standing upright. What does that mean? That they weren't sitting. No, he says, with a haughty bearing, to curse and to blasphemy. Commentaries disagree on who are they, exactly they were cursing and blaspheming, whether referring to God or referring to Moses and Aaron. But they came out, Nitzavim, standing upright. That means defiantly. Doesn't always mean that, but it means standing strong. 
could mean it could be a positive thing. But in this case, their standing upright was a haughty bearing. And Rashi brings an example from the book of Samuel and the story, the famous story of David and Goliath, that Goliath stationed himself, Vayit Yatsev, it uses that same uh, verb, in an arrogant manner for 40 days when Goliath was taunting, taunting the Jewish people. It says that he was standing, Vayit Yatsev, using the same word as Nitzavim, and that similarly was an act of defiance against God and the Jewish people, the God of the Jewish people, saying that he was stronger than them and nobody can, can beat him. So similarly, the Dasa Naviram are not cowed. They come out arrogantly. Now, why does the Torah mention their wives and their children and their infants? Rashi tells us a very severe thing. He says, come and see how terrible and severe is dispute, causing a dispute. Because, how do we see it? Bezdin Shalmata. The earthly court is not allowed to, to administer capital punishment until a child has become, has reached puberty. The bet din, the court on high, meaning if it's not going to be a corporeal punishment, but, but a punishment from on high, will not punish a person, will not administer um, capital punishment from on high until a person is 20 years old. But here, even babies were, were died in this swallowing, swallowing of the earth. Why? Because it is a case of a machloket. And so we see from here how terrible it is to, be, uh, to instigate and be involved in dispute, in arguments, in fighting in a community. Verse 28, Moshe said, With this you shall know, that God has sent me. To do all of these things. What does he refer to by all of these things? He could also have said, It's not from my heart, meaning I didn't make it up. Rashi explains, what does it mean, all of these deeds? He says, I did all of these deeds by God's command. What are the, th what are the things? Three things. says, to give Aharon the high priesthood, to give his children the deputy, Kihuna, and to make Elitzafan the chieftain of the family of Kahat. If you recall from the first Rashi, or the first uh, verse in the Parsha, Rashi says that Korach's initial, what triggered Korach, was the fact that his cousin, his younger, from the younger father, um, younger uncle um, was chosen to be the leader of the Kihat family and Korach came from the Kihat family and he said I should have been the leader of the Kihat family not Eli Tzafan. so these are the three things alluded to in Kol HaMa'asim Ha'ele all of these things verse 29 if like the death of all men these people will die. And the fate of all men will be visited upon them. Meaning if they die a natural death, then Hashem has not sent me. Rather, as Rashi says, I did everything on my own initiative. And Korach is opposing me justifiably. But here comes the but, verse 30, but if God 
will create a creation. And the earth opens its mouth and swallows them and all that belongs to them. And they go in and they go, descend alive. They go down alive into the grave. You shall know that these people have provoked the Lord. It doesn't conclude the obvious, which is, yes, God did send me. He only says that if the God did not send me, then they will die naturally. If something like this happens, it's a proof that they provoke God. And the implicit message is, if God is angry at them, then obviously I was correct and was not making this stuff up. Rashi says, A new creation. That if, if they die in a way that no man has ever died before, and what is this creation? That the earth will open its mouth and swallow them. Then you will know that, hash, that they have provoked God and that what, everything I said came from the mouth of the omnipotent, the, uh, the, the mouth of God. Our sages said, our sages read this first phrase of the verse in an interesting way. They said, if it's something that's already been created, this mouth to open up, as we read in Perkei Avot, in fact, that God did create the opening that would swallow Korach during the six days of creation, right before Shabbat, during twilight, when he created other miracul miraculous phenomena. So, so Moshe is saying, if it exists already, such a phenomenon, good. But if not, Yivra Hashem, like God created now. That is the, the rabbinic interpretation of these words. Verse 31, it was when, when Moshe concluded speaking all of these words, right on cue, the earth split that was under these people. And the, and the earth, it's interesting that the, um, the, the verse is using different words for earth. In English, it's both the earth, but in Hebrew, it's which I guess you could say is like the soil. is the earth. is piho, its mouth. it swallowed them and their homes and all of the people that belong to Korach. The s kol and all of their property. Interesting. The Sephorno comments on that that sometimes a person's property could be used for something good. He gives the example of somebody who drops a coin by accident and a poor person picks it up and uses it. person gains merit for that as a mitzvah. But here the Torah is saying that their, all of their property went down with them. Everything was, nothing could be redeemed. As we'll see, the only thing that was redeemed was Korach's own children who were swallowed by the earth, but they had repented and therefore they were able to come out. Vayer duheim they went down and all that was belonged to them Chaim alive into the grave it's the earth covered over them as the commentaries say I believe it's Ramban um, normally in other words this was not just a regular earthquake because normally with an earthquake the earth opens up and it stays open at least for some time and in this case it swallowed them up and then closed but the earth covered them all. So that was the unique um, phenomenon that had never happened before. 
fulfilling Moshe's words. And they were lost from among the congregation. And all of Israel that was around them ran away, nasu lekoilam, to their cries, to their voice, because they said, lest the earth swallow us. And now another thing happened, the fire came out from God and consumed the 250 men who had brought the Ketoret. As we learned yesterday, Moshe had prayed that they should, this is how the Rebbe explains it, Moshe had prayed that, that they should not die right when they bring the Ketoret, because if they if God would cause them to die at that moment, people would just say, oh, it's because they brought the Ketoret. That's why they, they died. By having them die at this point, along with Korach, it shows that, they're, that they were guilty of this rebellion, general rebellion against Moses. Now God says to Moses, speak to Elazar, the son of Aaron the coin, and he should pick up these these, these uh, pans from the burned area. And the coals, the fire, which means the coals, they should, um, they should throw. Kikadeshu, they should get rid of it. Kikadeshu, because they have become sanctified. In other words, what became sanctified? The pans have become uh, become sanctified. How did they become sanctified? Because they were used in a holy act of bringing incense, even though the people were rebelling, but they had, Rashi says, Shari Osum they had consecrated them as sanctified vessels. According to Ramban, the meaning of that they were consecrated is they were consecrated in what happened. They were, um, you know, showing showing God's presence in what happened. But Rashi, according to Rashi, they actually were sanctified like you would sanctify any vessel from the temple. So what did you? What should they do with them? They should flatten them and turn them into a covering for the altar, and they would let them be a sign for the children of Israel. It would always be a reminder, oh, those that covering of the of the outer altar of the copper altar is a reminder of what happened to the people who challenged the kahuna who challenged who should be the kohen. Verse 4, so Elazar the kohen did this, and it was for remembrance for the Jewish people, so that those who are not kohenim, who are not from the descendants of Aaron, will not come close to bring ketoret, offer ketoret, and they will not be like Korach and his assembly, as God had spoken in the hand of Moshe, through Moshe, about him. Rashi cites two interpretations. One is that they're talking about who is who is regarding him, often when we have a pronoun, it allows for different interpretations. The first interpretation Rashi gives is that it's talking about Aharon, that God had spoken regarding Aharon, that he's to be the high priest. The other interpretation is talking about Korach, that God had spoken to Moshe about Korach. And Rashi adds, the reason why it says Biyad Moshe, through the hand of Moses, according to this second interpretation, is that uh, just as Moshe's hand had turned into tsaras, had, had uh, turned white when he was speaking to God at, at Mount Sinai, at the burning bush, so too the punishment for someone who tries to act like a coin is that it will happen to him what happened to Moshe's hand, namely he will get tsaras. And Rashi cites from the prophets the story of Uziah, who was a king, who was not a coin, and he came in and he tried to do the ketoret, and before he could get in, uh, Tsaras appeared on his forehead.
What happens next? You think that the Jewish people would be humbled? Doesn't happen. They, they complain again and they complain against Moshe and Aaron and they say, you have killed, or as Targum Onkelo says, the Aramaic, says you caused the death of Am Hashem, of the nation of God. Verse 7, and it was when they gathered up and ganged up on Moshe and Aaron, Moshe and Aaron turned to the Ohel Moed, and he had it becoming covered by the Anan, by the divine cloud, and God's glory was revealed, and Moshe and Aaron came to the Ohel Moed. So that concludes today's section, and just to end it on a positive note, we see here the incredible dedication of Moshe and Aaron, and we'll see it tomorrow as well, that despite all of the rebelliousness of the Jewish people, they try their best and argue with God and try to go to the Sanaviram to turn them around, to try give them one last chance. And of course, the lesson to all of us of patience and trying to see the best in everyone. And we'll continue tomorrow with the next portion, Rivii.